Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 21, Sports in North Macedonia. My name is Bobby, and joining me as always is David. So from a sports perspective, this was a fun one, because we get to talk about handball for the first time. But on the other hand, North Macedonia's naming history and just their whole identity, that was a whole different type of fun to dive into. Yeah, um, it's some big you know, controversies around the big guy, Alexander the Great. From what I remember, he and uh, his father before him, uh, I think it's Philip, is that correct? Yep. Or a Macedonian, or you know, at, you know, and claimed Macedonia as their heritage, and so Alexander the Great kind of associated with Greece, and then it's kind of you know, I don't know, it's kind of you, you'll get into it. I'll let you get into it. It's confusing because place names change over time, and there's historical land areas. We'll get into it. I will say their flag is really cool, but even that had a bit of controversy because it was derived from uh, a Greek symbol. But it's a cool little flag. It's like the sun and the rays. Yeah, kind of like. A step past the rising sun flag, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not just the sun, but you've got the rays going out. It looks like if you combine Japan and the United Kingdom, but you just change it to McDonald's colors, right? <laughs> yeah, just just uh, no arches, but uh, yeah, yellow and red. Yeah, so that's the color they use for like all their international teams. It's a cool combo. I mean, red and gold Gryffindor. <laughs> we'll get into the sports after we get through all the background stuff, because it's good to know a bit about the country before you dive into the sports. So North Macedonia on a map. So it's located in Southeast Europe on the Balkan Peninsula. Neighbors to the east are the last country that we covered in Europe, which was Bulgaria. To the south, we have Greece. West is Albania. And to the north, you have Kosovo and Serbia. So North Macedonia is landlocked. And it's actually kind of small, a little over 25,000 square kilometers, which is comparable to Vermont, one of our smallest states. Yeah, just a just a little fella. Yeah, you wouldn't really know when you look at a map of Europe, but then when you scale it to the United States, just how big we are, it's like, okay, yeah, you're actually really small, some of these countries. Compared to Africa, I don't know if you look at maps, David, but little Djibouti, just a little dot on the map, pretty similar size to North Macedonia. Did you just say my Djibouti is small? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the uh, compliment. I guess it just depends on, you know, uh, the person, if that's a compliment or not, having a small Djibouti. Dangerous game we're playing here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, back to North Macedonia. So geographically, they experience all four seasons, but North Macedonia is also very mountainous. They got multiple ranges along the western and eastern borders, but most notably, they have the Shar Mountains in the northwest. The central part of the country is a valley, and that's formed by the Vardar River. And it's in that valley that the capital city, Skopje, is located. It's by far the largest city in North Macedonia. Got about 500,000 people, or more than 500,000, when you include the whole metro area. Uh, We've seen this with other countries that we've covered, but we can't really relate to having one city that's more than five times the size as the next closest. It seems to be kind of like a recurring thing everywhere except for the United States. And I guess just because we are such a new country and so big that, you know, it's just not going to happen with us. But yeah, that is crazy to see just, you know, a city that's just that much bigger. Yeah. And it's not even the most extreme example because like I dove into this a little bit. They're called primate cities. Like one city in a country is significantly larger than the rest. Um, There's like Liberia, I think, was one of the most extreme examples but I guess while we're on the subject, do you want to guess the population of North Macedonia? I mean, you know that's small, so... Yeah, is it is it less than a million? 
Now it's over. Okay, okay. I'm going to say like 3 million. Uh, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so right in the middle. Uh, let's <laughs> give, or, give or take 2 million, depending on the source. Part of that is because the growth rate has fluctuated, like positive and negative. They have had some periods where the population has declined from year to year. But they've hovered around that 2 million mark for like the last 40 years or so. As for who the people are, yeah, about 65% are ethnically Macedonian and 25% Albanian. And there's a large number of minority groups. We got the Turks, Romani, Serbs, the Aromanians, Bosniaks. So you'll see a lot of regional languages depending on where those groups are based. But the two official languages, Macedonian and Albanian. So actually, the Macedonian language, very similar to Bulgarian. And to this day, some Bulgarians will say Macedonian's not even a separate language. It's just like a dialect of Bulgarian. Even the Bulgarian government has had that stance. So it's caused some controversy. Just depends on who you ask, I guess. That's really interesting. I, I can't even. <laughs> it's got to be so weird running into these issues, I guess, as, as a country, you know, just uh, someone basically claiming that you're essentially part of Greece or, you know, or like you're not Macedonia because, you know, Greece is Macedonia. And then also, you know, your language is even yours. And I don't know. It's got to be very, very tough. Yep. We're going to talk on some of that right here. The whole identity of Macedonia well, North Macedonia. But what does it mean to be Macedonian? It's been a question for a long time, and countries will debate it. Bit of a hot issue, but let's dive in. So, David, you kind of said it earlier, there's a geographic and historic region called Macedonia. So this mainly includes the current territory of North Macedonia, but also the north part of Greece, and even the western part of Bulgaria. So the ancient kingdom of Macedonia was based in that whole region, and that's the kingdom that Alexander the Great is from. Now, I will say the city he was born in is in modern day Greece. So now the land that is North Macedonia today, there is like Slavic tribes came in and then you have all these different empires like the Romans were there, the Byzantines, the Bulgarian Empire, and then the Ottomans. So late 1800s, early 1900s, Ottoman Empire falls apart. And then you have like Serbia from the West, Bulgaria from the East. They're trying to vie for control of the territory of North Macedonia. But you basically have these Serbia and Bulgaria was trying to say like, oh, we're going to put in our Serbian culture into this area. Bulgaria's like, no, 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 no. We're putting in our Bulgarian culture here. Now, before all this was happening, the people living in present day North Macedonia, they had this idea of like, hey, we can be our distinct people, the distinct Macedonian identity. That wouldn't really come to fruition until 1944. And that's when the Socialist Republic of Macedonia is formed, which is one of the uh, six republics of Yugoslavia. So then we fast forward in time, breakup of Yugoslavia in the 90s. That's messy. It's complex. But September 8th, 1991, that is when North Macedonia peacefully declared independence. They're the only republic from Yugoslavia to break apart peacefully. But they would be known as the Republic of Macedonia. No North in there. And that's where the whole name controversy started. I mean, it existed before then, but now they're their own separate country. And uh, yeah, Northern Greece... That area is known as Macedonia. The Greeks felt that this new country, they were taken away from Greek culture, the Greek identity. Like they would build a statue of Alexander the Great in Skopje, just taking some symbols here and there. So it was a big controversy. There's a lot to it. We won't get in all the way because this is a sports podcast. But the Prespa Agreement was signed in 2018. And part of that, Macedonia changed their name to North Macedonia. The end. Yeah, um... History wise, it's crazy, right? You you get out of Yugoslavia as peacefully, which is pretty rare for most countries. I don't know if there's a lot more that are have been peaceful kind of 
declaration of independences. You know, usually there's like a someone's going to step in and stop them. Right. And then you get out and then Greece is already starting stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Bulgaria would start stuff too with the whole language thing. Uh, there's been a lot of barriers to entry into like NATO and the European Union. And the, the name was a big part of that. North Macedonia is part of NATO now, and they're trying to become part of the European Union. Finally, seems like they're on track to do it after uh, changing their name. But this is a sports podcast, so let's move on to sports. So keep in mind that up until the 90s, North Macedonia competed under the flag of Yugoslavia. But we're going to start this one off with handball. I'm excited to talk about this one because it's a really easy to understand sport, at least visually. I'm really confused. Why is it not bigger in the United States? Yeah, you'd think it'd be a, a natural transition from, you know, soccer, uh, anything, soccer or uh, basketball. You know, if you just weren't good enough to be a very good basketball player, surely we could have a handball league that was, you know, you maybe couldn't make like a incredible living off of. But, you know, you'd think we'd be able to field good handball teams. It's like every it's exactly what it says. It is. It's it's handball. It's soccer. Just with the, you can use your hands, you know. And so I don't know. I, I wish it was bigger. I kind of want to play it. Yeah. Like. I feel like you don't need to be super duper big or super duper fast. Uh, I mean, agility, quick bursts of speed and being able to throw a ball accurately. Anyway, so handball. If you follow European football, you know that just about every country has their own domestic league. And it's a similar case for handball. So which leagues are the best? Probably say like Germany, Spain, France. They're at the top. And then you have that second tier. And that would include North Macedonia's Superliga. So it's not a super deep league very top heavy and it has been dominated by rk vardar and they've won the last seven league titles 15 overall but more noteworthy than that they won the european champions league in 2017 and 2019 and both times they had to beat barcelona in the semifinals and they're the best uh the most successful club in european handball history yeah obviously you know winning any champions league or, you know, that kind of tier of tournament is huge, but going through historically the best team, beating them and doing it in kind of rapid succession. You know, you took a break off in 2018, but, you know, 2017, 2019, that's still relatively close. You know, you can still kind of feed off that those titles and, you know, boost your program. Yeah. Thing is, when you look at the Champions League winners from uh, recent years and even the teams who just progress far in the tournament, it's a lot of the Spanish and the German teams and even some French teams, too. But then you have that whole assortment of like the countries that have one really strong team. And that's where RK Vardar, that's where they are. They represent North Macedonia well. And also their women's team has been really good. So they they have dominated on the domestic level, but in the Champions League level, so unfortunate. So 2017 and 2018, around the same time the men's team was doing well, they made it to the Champions League finals. They lost both times in overtime. And to the same team, which was your from Hungary. Yeah, that's well, you know, going all the way and then you know coming up short is bad. But when you're you're that close, you know, over time, and it's the same team, you know, that stops you both times. It's got to be a real a real bummer, right? Like you lose a heartbreaking fashion in 2017, one point in overtime, and then you come back and the same exact thing happens again. You think revenge is going to come through? No. Like the Buffalo Bills losing four straight Super Bowls. Only other thing I could think of off the top of my head. Do you know what the scores were for that one? Because we can look it up real quick. Yeah. Uh, so none were that close. Uh, but the first one, they did lose by one point. Imagine you go back 
to the Super Bowl again, you think, surely this is our year. You get stopped by Washington. Go back again. You're like, okay, you know, three times in a row, we got to win it. You get beat even worse by Dallas. It's like 52 to 17. Jeez. And then <laughs> you make it back again. It's Dallas again. And uh, not as bad, but still not close. 30 to 13. Oh, gosh. Yeah, bad time to be a Buffalo fan. Oh, man. I guess it's a similar level of pain. Yeah, I, I think it is compounded, too, with the fact that the men's team won in 2017. You come up short, and then you you get back there in 18. Yeah, they could have had both Champions League winners same year. That would have been, wow. On the bright side, though, North Macedonia has had a women's team win the Champions League once, and that was Jorsh Petrov in 2002. They were the original dominant side in the country. Are you ready for a dumb stat? I'm always ready. So, uh, Jorsh Petrov... They won the first ever North Macedonia league title. That was back in 1993. And how many straight do you think they won? From 1993, yeah? Yeah, so starting then. Okay, so it's probably not 7 plus 22. It's probably not 29. But if it's a stupid stat, is it something like 25? Well, no, because another team you know, was starting to dominate. Oh, okay. 15, 15. 17 yeah oh my gosh yeah 17 straight to start off good for them but it's we've seen it with other countries like uh you have two teams that dominate oh just we'll have one who who needs a second it's got to be so tough i I guess i'm glad there is some parity now i would assume that there is a little bit of movement i guess that's the life of not having a salary cap oh true you just throw money, you know, you ever get to, if you're the richest owner in the league, you just buy the best players. Mm. Well, we'll move on to the international level here. Because part of why I wanted to cover North Macedonia this week is because the men's national team is playing in the handball world championship. And that will be ongoing by the time we release this episode. So if we go back in time a bit, Yugoslavia, they were Olympic and world champs in handball, though most of their players were from Serbia. It took some time after independence but North Macedonia are regulars on the world and European championship level. They're like a knockout stage potential team, like round of 16, so to speak. But they haven't had that deep run yet that would like grab headlines and just send shockwaves. Yeah, it's it's, it's good that it's translated over. You know, it's not just, you know, your, your, your leagues are strong. You can kind of do it on the biggest stages. Because I think it's easy to get a, a decent competitive league going in your own country. But, you know, to, to translate it into bigger and better things, it's 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 definitely the next step up. Right, right. Yeah, I guess I should say the women's national team also was at a similar level, but that was in the late 90s, early 2000s. They've started declining. And honestly, they started declining once the men's team got good. But I did want to mention at least one player. And there's an easy pick here. And that is Kirill Lazarov. So first off. Lazarov had a very long career. He was active from the late 90s all the way up until 2022. So over those 20 plus years, lots of lots of accolades. Most goals ever in the European Champions League. Most goals for the North Macedonia national team. And in the 2009 World Championship, had 92 goals in nine games. So like over 10 goals a game. The most in a single edition of that tournament. And when you combine that with all of the trophies he won at he played for a ton of different clubs at club level. He's not quite greatest of all time status, but he's in that conversation of like top 10, I'd say, and maybe the best right back ever. Yeah. 10 goals per game sounds nutty. It sounds like something that shouldn't ever happen. I don't know what typical goals per game is, but I can't imagine it's 
let's say like you're the best in the the best ever, maybe like five or six goals a game. Like ten is insane, right? You would imagine. So a typical handball game at this point, games have gotten higher scoring as time has progressed. Like twenty five goals a game might be like a normal score for a team somewhere around there, give or take. So when one guy is scoring ten a game during a tournament, then the biggest tournament in the world. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want leading your team, right? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Also, he's the current coach of the national team. So given back already after retiring just last year in his 40s. So he's been a great representative to North Macedonia. And it made me think when you have that one guy who's just standing out representing your country in that sport, uh, we talk about people being synonymous with their sport and their country. Like here in the United States, I feel Luka Doncic has kind of put Slovenia basketball on the map. I mean, they've been good for a while, but now like you think Slovenia, you think sports, it's Luka Doncic. The most extreme example, Usain Bolt with Jamaica. So I know we don't really follow handball here in the United States, but to some people in Europe uh, and whoever follows handball around the world, Lazarov would be that guy for North Macedonia. You associate that country with handball now, and it's kind of been their most successful sport. So that's the kind of guy he's been. Yeah, it's it's good to get one, you know? I feel like it's harder for these small countries to kind of make a name for themselves. And um, anytime someone's doing that, which would be good anywhere, it's great when it comes from a small country. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll move on to football. It might be the more popular of the two sports, but like I said, handball is the one that I'd say more people associate with because everyone plays football or soccer, if you want to call it that. Uh, we mentioned them already, but Vardar... Once again, most successful club in the history of the Macedonian First League. So 11 titles in all, and they're the only team from the country to play in a European competition. So they didn't play in the Champions League, but 2017, they were in the Europa League, which is the second tier. I guess I should also say that Vardar are based in the capital, Skopje. So uh, yeah, we, we said it before, but a lot of the countries we've covered have like the two dominant teams in the capital city. Eh, we'll just have... Just have one. Why share? You know, just have your your capital city just take care of business and uh, just win the league over and over and over again. Yeah. I didn't look into it too close. It might have been financial troubles, but they played in the second tier very recently. So uh, give someone else a chance. Yeah, true, true. I'll be honest. There's not a whole lot to say about the women's domestic league or the women's national team for that matter. So we'll move on to the men's national team. And the past four years or so, been their most successful since becoming an independent nation david do you think they've qualified for a world cup before yes once that's my guess no unfortunately no but the euros i feel like the euros yes i feel like they definitely have yeah they, they played recently right yeah yeah so it was their first time um in euro 2020 which happened in 2021 so very recently and it was it was a ride for them to get there so basically what uh, the qualifiers were like, they have this thing called the Nations League. I've mentioned on previous episodes, but you have teams of similar caliber playing each other in like glorified friendlies. So North Macedonia was at the bottom group. They were in Group D and the successful teams from Group D were put into this playoff bracket. And one of those four teams from Group D was going to qualify for the Euros for the first time ever. So the teams that were in this qualifier group, it was North Macedonia, Belarus, Kosovo, and Georgia. Yeah, not elite teams by any standard, not even like that second or third tier. The, they were okay at best, but North Macedonia beat Kosovo, and then they beat Georgia 1-0, and 
they qualified for the Euros for the first time ever. And uh, I mean, they lost all three of their games at the tournament. But hey, it was momentum. They continued to impress. World Cup qualifying for 2022. They finished second in their group behind Germany. They also beat Germany in a game. Uh, It was like the first game that Germany had lost in a World Cup qualifier in two decades, something like that. Uh, Beat them two to one in Germany. Crazy enough. But because they finished second in their group, they got to go to the uh, UEFA playoffs. So what had happened? Turkey, Italy, Portugal, North Macedonia. One of those four teams was going to go to the World Cup. And everyone's like, oh, no, Portugal and Italy got put into the same group. One of them's not going to be there. So naturally, North Macedonia beats Italy in the first game. <laughs> they beat the reigning European champs one nothing in like stoppage time. It was insane. Unfortunately, they would lose to Portugal. But like, what a ride. I mean, being part of the demise of Italy at this last qualifier, you know, it's got to feel good for, you know, a situation where it's like, oh, well, only one team leaves, right? And so it's like, there are two giants in front of you, you know, and taking down one is is big. I remember seeing the simulations on like, what are the odds that North Macedonia makes it through? It's like 1%. And everyone's like, oh, Italy's going to go through. Ronaldo's not going to play at the World Cup. Hold up. <laughs> North yeah. Macedonia's like, what if I just ruined everything? Uh, it's always fun to see a team that's like counted out and no one is like, okay, let's talk about these people in the group. You don't need to worry about, you know, we don't even need to talk about, you know, these, the, the bottom one or two, you know, to kind of show, show, show up and, uh, you know, stir the pot. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, for Euro 2024, they did the qualifying groups already. Maybe the magic will happen again, but they got drawn with England and Italy again and Ukraine and then North Macedonia, the fourth seed, and then Malta's fifth. So uh, top two advance, tough ask, but I don't know. Maybe it'll happen again. I feel like Italy is going to be upset. Upset that they were upset? <laughs> yeah, true. Uh Upset, and they're going to be going for revenge. I think we talked about this in the World Cup episode. England feels beatable. You know, it's kind of just the way they play seems like all you have to do is kind of get one goal, you know, and that might be enough. Dude, in the uh, in the Nations League, they were in the top group, like Group A. They got relegated because they lost twice to Hungary. It, it's been a mixed bag for them. And then Ukraine, they're good, but not like elite level. It's unfortunate. Only two get to go through, and I think there's still a playoff system after that, so it's not... It's not doomed? Yeah. 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 So I guess these groups will play out this year, is that correct? And then the It'll actual... be over the next year and a year half, and something like that. Yeah. And then the big event will happen afterwards, right? Yeah. I think they're also doing the Nations League thing again, so I don't know who North Macedonia's Nations League group is going to be, but maybe they'll qualify through that path. Well, we're speculating far into the future here, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, while the team has done very well, they've had to have some players do really well. So the one guy that football fans associated with North Macedonia was Goran Pendev. So he was a forward, sometimes played as like an out and out striker, but was more as like the support type playing just behind the main goal scorer. So he played all throughout the 2000s and 2010s. Most of it was in Italy's Serie A. And in 2010, with Inter Milan, he won the treble, which means... They won the league, they won the Coppa Italia, and they won the Champions League all in the same season. Seven clubs in Europe have done that in history, and he was part of one of the teams to do it. But on the national team, most goals ever, most appearances ever, and fittingly, his last three goals for North Macedonia. He scored against Georgia in the Euro playoff, the one nothing win, you know, 
game-winning goal. He scored in their win against Germany, and he scored their first ever goal at the Euros against Austria. And then he retired after the tournament. So yeah, you didn't win any games there, but you went out with a bang. You were part of probably the best team that you, your country has seen. I, it's always great to go on top. And, you know, obviously, you know, in that situation, he didn't. But, you know, it's definitely not a bad way to go out. It's not like you played horribly and you knew it was going to be your last year. Uh, he was like the star of the team for so long and handing over the reins. But he went out on a high note. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to mention two other players. So Alif Elmez. So he's the current young star for North Macedonia. 23 years old, attacking midfielder and currently playing for Napoli at club level. Uh, probably the only player from the country, I'd say, who could become elite. Now, the other guy is Darko Panchev. He was a really good striker in the late 80s, early 90s. Cool little thing for him at club level. He played for Red Star Belgrade in Serbia, and they won the 1991 Champions League. It's called the European Cup at the time, but he scored the game-winning penalty in the penalty shootout. So cool accolade there. But internationally, it was just the worst timing, right? Late 80s, early 90s the fall of Yugoslavia. And uh, by the time the North Macedonian team started playing independently, he was like at the end of his career. He played six games for them. So uh, part of why his legacy is not, you know, at the same level. Yeah, I guess, you know, it has happened to someone, you know, (laughs) and uh, it's just unfortunate. It was for a player that was obviously very good and could have been a top player for for the team. It's just just wasn't the right time. You know, it happens all the time with sports, I feel just not being born the right year and it's like okay you're not really you get maybe one olympics you know or whatever you know yeah right yeah but we're, we're gonna move on to basketball now it's our final ball sport to cover it's probably the big three of team sports in north macedonia now we go back to yugoslavia one of the best basketball nations in the world they were olympic champs world champs european champs since independence though north macedonia has just been okay no world cup appearances but They've qualified for the Eurobasket before, and it was four straight times from 2009 to 2015 uh, because they did it every two years at that time. But the 2011 tournament, that's the one I want to highlight. They were the Cinderella team, just like in football. They finished first in their group. They beat the host nation, Lithuania, in the quarterfinals. And unfortunately, they would lose in the semis to Spain and then Russia in the third place match. But still, fourth place for a team that's like you're on the fringe of qualifying every go and then you finish fourth at a major international tournament yeah and you you beat the hosts yeah lithuania is good yeah yeah in their own dojo <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah fourth place is definitely nothing to down on i mean of course some of those bigger countries you know you're aiming to win the whole thing but uh, you're one step off the podium. It's unfortunate that, you know, you win one game right, out right. of those two and you're on the podium. But, uh, I, you know, I think there's a lot of pride to be taken for finishing fourth. It was unfortunate, too, with the timing, because they were doing Euros every two years at this point, while the World Cup was every four. And had they finished fourth in like 2013 or even 2009, that would have qualified them for the World Cup. But instead, they got put into an Olympic qualifying tournament and then they the magic ran out. So they didn't even get to go to the Olympics. Yeah, you're making me feel bad for North Macedonia and their sports. It just seems like, <laughs> at least for the last two, you know, they've been on the, the cusp of just being there. Fourth place, it was a standout performance. Obviously, some of the players were standouts too. Pero Antic, he played in the NBA, actually. Six foot 11 power forward, but he was 29 years old at the time of this tournament. And then his career just took off. He played for Olympiakos and Fenerbahce 
two of the top European basketball clubs. And then first Macedonian in the NBA spent two years for the Atlanta Hawks. So that's cool and all right. But the guy who made the all tournament team for North Macedonia that year, Bo McCaleb born in new Orleans, Louisiana. Wait. Yep. Visible confusion. I see it on your face. (laughs) So what's the story with that? Yep. Yep. So at the time he was playing for partisan in Serbia and this was in 2010. So this is the quote that I found from the New York Times. I was playing in Serbia last year, and I got a call from the Macedonians. They asked me to play for them. I didn't ask any questions about the place. I just said yes. And I got on a plane for Skopje the next day. So basically what what happened, the North Macedonian Basketball Federation, they thought he'd be a good fit. He was a point guard. And countries are allowed to have one naturalized player on their roster for these tournaments. And a lot of the European leagues, they have limits on non-European players. Having that citizenship, it was just a good fit for him for his career. <laughs> he got to play for an international basketball team. That's crazy. So uh, there's not like a long time period for naturalization or... I guess not. <laughs> yeah, because pretty pretty quick transition. That's still a pretty cool story. I can't imagine getting a call like that and being like, hey, you want to you play for us? And it's like... Sure, sure. Because, you know, you're probably not making Team USA. You know, he didn't (laughs) even play for a big college. Yeah, Um, yeah. He just kind of went off to Europe. I would love to know the story of, like, how how this happened. Like, the whole story. I can't, can't, we need a movie. We need a movie. (laughs) And the thing is, I'm sure there's other, there are other examples of this. I know for sure there are other examples. People have, like, no ties to a country and then just up and represent them. Like, we talk about it in Bahamas if you remember John Quell Jones, top basketball player from the Bahamas, wants to go play overseas, but like, oh, you know, citizenship and then your country's national team isn't great. Eh, just become Bosnian, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess you can't argue that they didn't want to do it for other reasons. You know, they, they didn't want citizenship for other reasons. And it gets kind of sticky if you're like, you have to be born there. I think for the sake of just having the sport be a positive thing, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's, and you know, it lets those smaller countries kind of pad their odds, you know, and kind of can set themselves up for success. And limiting it to one player, I guess is the best way to do it. Cause I know in FIFA that was, it was a problem. I think it was Togo. They were like bringing in Brazilians and just naturalizing them really quickly to become players for them. There's limits on it. Now you have to be in the country for a certain number of years. Yeah. Cool story for him. Just a kid from new Orleans and, comes Macedonian. <laughs> so we'll talk about some individual sports here. One of the coolest events that I found is called the Orid Swimming Marathon. So it's an annual 30 kilometer race, which in American math, 18.6 miles. And it takes place on Lake Orid. Uh, the lake and the town of Orid are actually UNESCO World Heritage Sites. I got a little pick for you there, David. Albania also has a third of the, the lake shoreline, just so we're clear. It's on the border. But it is a beautiful lake very old uh, establishments of towns. Like they've been around for millennia. Yeah. Yeah. The, the picture of uh, the church of St. John is absolutely insane. Like breathtaking. It looks, it doesn't look real. We're, we're so used to everything being so new here. You know, everything, even our oldest stuff isn't even that old. It's just absolutely breathtaking. And like it's UNESCO heritage, partly because of how long it, the civilization has been around there, but also the wetlands around the lake are protected because it's a huge amount of biodiversity. So, hey, if you're a tourist, you want to go to North Macedonia, you have your pick here. Also skiing because there's a lot of mountains. 
I mean, mountains, you can do a lot of things, lots of adventure sports, go kayaking, do whatever you want. Yeah. Also, an 18.6 mile swimming race is insane. I can't imagine doing an eight mile, you know, <laughs> and just I, I that is definitely I think marathon is, a. of course, you know, the original term is, you know, from the city of marathon to Sparta. But that is probably harder than running 26.2 miles. For sure. Uh, yeah. So marathon and swimming, it's not like a distinct distance because there's races that are longer than this. I looked at a big list. This is among the longest that you'd go in one day because this takes like first place in these races, five plus hours. Jesus. Just swimming. Yeah. Uh, that's a, just a full attack on the body. Like, you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're taking days off after this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap up with the Olympics, though. So, David, as an independent nation, has North Macedonia won an Olympic medal? I'm going to say yes, just because there's so many medals to be had. There's got to be something, right? There's got to be some person who, like, parents were good at sports, you know, and they got had money and they, like, you know, paid for this person to do sports things their whole life. And they, they've gotten, like, something like a bronze, at least. So yeah, they've had two, two medals. They had one bronze back in 2000 in wrestling, and then Dejan Georgievsky, silver in Taekwondo in 2020. So no golds as an independent nation. But when they're part of Yugoslavia, they did have a Macedonian athlete get a gold, and that was Saban Terstina. Men's 52-kilogram wrestling, 1984. It's also a really small weight class there. In American math, it's like 115 pounds, I think. Yeah, a very small, very small guy. I feel like you probably can't be taller than like 5'6". Um, he was 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, so like uh, you're in the lower percentile for height and you're just so cut and slim you know you probably have like no body fat <laughs> to hit yeah. that number but yeah count it gold medal yeah i'm very thankful that uh, there's already a list compiled of macedonian athletes from yugoslavia because that would have been a pain to go through <laughs> but um he's also an ethnic albanian so albania has never won an olympic medal so i mean it doesn't count for them but you know ethnic pride and you know he, good for them too should also say, yeah, they have uh, a lot of mountains in North Macedonia. So they have sent athletes to the Winter Games, typically skiers. No medals there, though. But in the Paralympics, they also got a gold medal. That was Olivera Nakovska-Bikova. I hope I pronounced that right. And that was for air pistol shooting uh, in 2012, actually. So kind of recent. Yeah, uh, air pistol wouldn't have guessed that. But at the same time, you know, it is one of those individual sports that you can kind of succeed on with these smaller countries because you don't have a team. You don't have to rely on other people to help you out. It's just you. If you're good, you know, you can win the medal. That's a uh, great for her. A gold medal is always a big deal. Mm -hmm. Best in the world at something. I mean, and shooting, uh, that's something like every country can do. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, and I don't know if it's just the competition's just really big in the Paralympics for that event. But I'm surprised, you know, no silver medal or bronze medal following uh, just because I imagine that's a sport you can do for a very long time and still be very good. Right. Yeah, I, I think North Macedonia did have another medal in the Paralympics. Um, All right. So, yeah, just uh, just London, the ISSF European Championship, she has a gold medal, too, but it's not, um, you know, it's not the Olympics. Um, and then the IPC World Championship, she has a silver and a bronze so, but she's been competing, you know, just medal wise. First medal was in 2001. So, you know, she was obviously competing for a while. There's a, so many sports out there and I go down enough rabbit holes, like going down shooting sports. That's one I have not gone down yet. 
I'm sure there's a lot of competitions. We're working on a list here of getting like every major sports competition listed out. Yeah, it's it's just a lot to go through. But uh, congrats to her. Um, but to wrap all this up, North Macedonia, they're one of the smaller countries in Europe. And I'd say one of the least well known too. but they've made some headlines in the world of sports, usually as that surprise team. But in handball, though, it's not really much of a surprise anymore. They're established. They qualify for those big tournaments. So if they have that deep run at the handball world championship this month, who knows what the shockwaves would be? What kind of progress investment in the sport we could see in the country? Yeah, definitely wishing them the best of luck. It's always nice to have stuff that you're good at, you know, on the international stage for any country. But when you're, you know, around three million uh, or no, two million, it's it's got to feel so much better, you know, to be able to take down, you know, giants when you can. And as much as we love individual sports, the ones that grab the most headlines, it's going to be performing as a team representing your country. So, yeah, we, we wish you the best at the Handball World Championships. Are we going to do an episode on that one, you think? Yes, you might even hear about it next week. Little, little. It's not. It's not even a hint, really. It's kind of just telling you what the what the next episode will be. But tune into that if that's what you're interested in. You got any other hints for us, Bobby? Yeah, week after next country profile, we actually mentioned this country in the episode earlier. So uh, we are going to Africa. You just remember what country you mentioned earlier. It's that one. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. As always, the most important thing you can do for us right now is share share us. Uh, let people know if you think you'd be interested in it. Subscribe if you can. And just tune in every week. Um, we took a little bit of a break last week, but uh, we'll be back at it every week. Till the end of time. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thanks again for listening. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.